the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Welcome to Life in Colorado. My name is Richard Robertson. Dogs have been known as man's best friend for many years. References to service animals date back at least as far as the 16th century. The first service animal training schools were established in Germany during World War I to enhance the mobility of returning veterans who were blinded in combat. Interest in service animals outside of Germany did not become widespread until Dorothy Harrison Eustace, an American dog breeder living in Switzerland at the time, wrote a first-hand account about a service animal training school in Potsdam, Germany, that was published in the Saturday Evening Post in 1927. The service animal movement did not take hold in America until Nashville resident Morris Frank returned from Switzerland after being trained with one of Eustace's dogs, a female German shepherd named Buddy. Frank and Buddy embarked on a publicity tour to convince Americans of the abilities of service animals and the need to allow people with service animals access to public transportation, hotels, and other areas open to the public. In 1929, Eustace and Frank co-founded the Seeing Eye School in Nashville, Tennessee, later relocated in 1931 to New Jersey. So dogs have been known as man's best friend for a long time, and these friendly animals have been the eyes and the guides for visually impaired people for almost a century. Guide dogs, however, are not pets. They are working animals that provide a life-enhancing and sometimes life-saving service. Today we have a guest, Gail Hamilton, who has a story, a story that would be of interest to us because it not only tells a story about a guide dog, but also how that interaction can go wrong sometimes, what we can do to be good neighbors to those who have guide dogs, and what we should do and what we shouldn't do. My guest, Gail Hamilton, is a singer, author, public speaker, and she shares a story today about her dog, Sarge, and an innocent encounter with a neighbor's dog that went so terribly wrong, and what we can learn from that, and what we can do in the future when we encounter visually impaired people with guide animals. Welcome to the show, Gail. Thank you, thank you, thank you for having me. I'm honored to be here. Well, thank you. And, uh, you know, I was looking over your website, and I I love this quote that you have. What seems to us as bitter trials are often blessings in disguise from Oscar Wilde. And I found that that is so true, isn't it? What Many things that we find are bitter trials do end up being blessings in disguise. So, and, yeah, absolutely. And, and your life has certainly been exemplary of that. So um, we're talking today about guide dogs and a particular story that and an experience you had with your guide dog and, the, and some of the things that happened. Why don't you just share with us uh, what happened with, with your dog and what you want to bring to an awareness? Well, I had was walking down the streets of Denver at 13th and Downing with my dog, and he was my fifth dog, and he was two and a half years old, not even that yet, and he, we've been having a little bit of issues with him and distractions 
with other dogs. With that said, um, what I'll say what I'll tell you sort of what happened, then I'll say what I want to bring awareness to is what happened. We were crossing the street, and a woman with another dog out for a social little walk allowed her dog to be on a longer leash and go towards my dog in the middle of these two busy streets. And they got into an encounter where they went around and around and around and around and around and barking and all that. And she said, and then she went away and I said, well, you need to get me to the other side. And then, and so then I got to the other side and she kept saying, it's okay, it's okay. And I, it wasn't okay. And what makes it not okay was I knew that at that point, my dog would have to be retired and I would never get to see him again, which that part breaks my heart. He was, he was the best dog I had in 20 years and $66,000 worth of training was let go in that moment now, in one split second. When you when you say you had to let him go, was that is that sort of a standard protocol when the situation like that happens and the dog sort of loses it a bit because of outside well, circumstances? Yeah. Basically, I would think we've been working on it. And so we were hoping, the trainer and I, that that would never come to pass. But when that happens... The trust is broken, and because there's traffic, it's my safety at risk. Sure. And so, thank goodness the cars stopped. That the, you know, they, they hadn't started going again. Right. Parallel traffic was going, so I was safe. But any moment that light could have turned green, and hopefully they were be watching and knowing what was going on and not come towards us. But. It could happen where that would have happened. Well, how long had you had him at that point? Six months. Six months. Okay, that's right. Six months. Yeah. So he's a brand new dog, the best one ever. And he, and yeah. So the awareness piece is not at any time, no time. It's not acceptable for any dog to be in contact ever with a CNI dog. They shouldn't be that close ever. So. Uh, in my apartment building, for example, people would say, oh, it's okay that they get to be that close. No. It's, it, so what I, part of it is that when you see a CNI dog, you need to pull your dog in. You need to have it under control. I know Colorado, at least, is the second friendliest dog state in the country. Great. Well, pets are different than CNI dogs in the fact that CNI dogs, unlike any other service dog, our lives are in their paws. You know, when you have a right. dog that's for, oh, I don't know, PTSD or some other thing, it's even quadriplegic, and I, I hope we don't get a phone calls on this, and, and they're important dogs. They provide a valuable service, but their life is not in those paws. Sure. And sure. my life is in the dog's paws. And if they get distracted crossing the street by some other little dog, or they get distracted going down a flight of stairs, and then it's my life. Right. 
the other thing that people don't get is that when they say hi to us on the street or they say hi to us in a restaurant, all that's distraction. And what is that? And, and you don't think that that little, oh, what a beautiful dog comment in the restaurant, that's not going to affect us. It affects us because now the dog is desensitized and likes people. And then the dog says, oh, that person's great. I think I'll walk over to the next person when I'm in the middle of the street and I'll learn, because they learn really quickly, I'll learn that it's okay to say hi to people, even though to the detriment of my guide work. Well, that's... so they... Yeah. Well, I, I'm sorry. That's good to know because um, you know I didn't. I didn't know that. I mean, if I had seen you with your dog, now I don't have a dog, so I wouldn't have been walking right. a dog. But I, I love animals, and I would have been very right. tempted to just say, "Oh, what a sweet dog!" and and you know, mm-hmm. pet or right. you know, pat yeah. him on the head or something yeah. like that. Yeah. But that's uh, w- what I'm hearing is that's not a good idea as far as no. that's no, it's not. It's not a good idea to pet him. It means you should always ask permission, but just go in the era that it's invisible, you know, because I wouldn't go pet your eyes. Um, <laughs> but, you, yeah, you don't pet it. You don't touch it. You don't talk to it. You shouldn't make eye contact with it. I have people in church that just totally look at the ceiling. They <laughs> go, <Like, laughs> look at the ceiling. Look at the ceiling. It's like, okay. Um, of course, you don't feed it. But, yeah, the more you ignore it, the better it is for the success of my relationship. And that woman that we encountered that day, she has no idea what that one little action, how it jeopardized our success, which meant failure. Well, now do, and I've seen this, and I've never really paid attention to it, to tell you the truth. Sometimes uh, guide dogs have little vests on, and mm-hmm. there's writing. Now, is that mm-hmm. a sort of standard thing where it maybe says, don't pet me, or... I'm a guide dog, or I'm a seeing-eye dog. Uh, You see, I guess I didn't, you know, I have to confess that the differences between just a comfort animal or a guide animal and then a seeing-eye dog, there's obviously a lot of difference there. Yeah, I think seeing-eye is, well, there is, I get my dogs from a school called the seeing-eye, which was the original school, which is having their 90th birthday this year, which is awesome. Um, and I, and I love the school. It's, I've gotten all my dogs from there, and they're, they're a great school. And But they've also kind of been known as the brand name, or generic name, just like Kleenex. Even though all tissues aren't Kleenex, we all go Kleenex. Sure, sure. So C&I dogs, people call them C&I dogs, but there are other guide dogs from other schools around the country. And, yeah, there's a difference between a dog that does guide work for a person than... The and and you shouldn't bother any service animal. I mean that the public needs to be aware of that. That you just don't don't mess with them. It's they got a job to do. Right, they're on the clock, and it's the job. Just because you like animals, go home and pet your own animals. <laughs> you know? That's right. Just go to and and I'm on that topic, and I don't know if it's you know appropriate to start being on this soapbox or not, but really. I know you think you have, some people have service dogs and they're not service dogs. And, oh, they're emotional support animals, and they're not emotional. You know, your dogs, your pets, really, they need to be at home. I, I'm sorry. You, you know, you don't have the same rights as a person with a C&I dog has. We, we worked hard to be able to have that right to be able to go anywhere and everywhere 
and have that freedom. And the freedom that you want is just because you don't want to leave your dog at home. And I'm sorry, it's a pet and it needs to stay at home. And because what you're doing is you're making it common that all these that all dogs get to have to go out and run around and, and cause havoc with other dogs. And it's a tragedy what happened to me. Right. And that's why I want to be here talking to you. It's because what people do do have consequences. Right. And and I you know, we all love dogs. We all want to keep them with us twenty four seven. They're great, they're great what they do is wonderful, the love that they give. But your my right to walk down the street to be safe is more important then you're right just to have your little dog with you because you like it. Right. And, Gail, tell us a little bit about when you need to get a new dog. Well, how do you do that? Well, in, in this case, but, and, yeah, it's, it's not an easy process, and I now have to wait six months to a year to get another dog. So there you go. But the process is that um, the CNI dogs are born and bred at the CNI, and they, on, on their side, they are. Um, they watch them from the get go to make sure they have the right qualities to be a CNI dog. And so the right dogs, temperament and things. The right temperament, the right health, the right good vision, good hearing, you know, all that good stuff. Right. And the psychological makeup, and that they can go out in public and be of service and not be too wild and crazy and, and all that. Right. Um, right. So that's that. And they'll always watch them. Then they go off to a 4-H family for about a year. And we're yeah. still evaluating weekly. Now, 4-H family, what, uh, what do you mean by that specifically? Uh, 4-H, I think we have them in Colorado. Oh, so it's uh, like the farm organization, 4-H? Yeah. Or? Oh, yeah. okay. The kids, the kids bring it, raise them up, and, and ah, uh, the project okay. is a puppy raising project. So they're, and they're usually, for C&I in New Jersey, they usually um, do it in the surrounding states there so they can watch how the keep high quality control on the dogs. And so they're there for about a year. They learn how to sit and lay down, and they get used to noises at home, the vacuum cleaners, the dishwashers, the um, how to sit, how to lay down, how to go into public places, mm-hmm. how to ride trains and airplanes. They do that all as little field trips. Oh, okay. Um, and they're evaluating all, all the time through the whole year process. Is it going to be a good dog? Okay. And um, can they mind? What's their temperament? And then finally, about a year and a half into the process, they go back to the CNI. They get spayed and neutered. They're still evaluated. And then they learn how to go in there to learn behaviors of being a CNI dog, where being a dog is like instinct. You know, I know how to throw a ball. I know how to catch a ball. Right. That's all instinct and smell and all that. But CNI work is all in behavior. It's not normal for a dog to stop at a curb or to go around the overhanging or to, um, yeah, the, for the traffic to stop for those and, and, that, and go down the stop for the stairs and mm-hmm. all that kind of stuff. So they have to be taught all those things. And then after three months, four months, then they bring us into it. And meanwhile, I've been evaluated. What kind of speed do I want to walk at? Do I want a hard pull on a harness or soft pull? Um, Do I have any other health considerations or how fast do I walk? How slow do I walk? Um, Am I going to live in a city? Do I live with lots of dogs or not very much dogs? Do I live in a farm? Do Do I go public speaking or do I just sit at home all day long? 
so they they take all that in consideration, and then they uh, they match, they take very careful consideration to match the right dog with the right person. So when you when you come in now, do you go out there, or do they bring the dog to you when? At the time we go out there, mm-hmm. sometimes under if I have like special work consideration or maybe health, they would bring one. But it's the more the norm is to go out. So we go out to CNI in New Jersey for about two and a half weeks. If you're a, a retrained like I would be, the first timers go out for three and a half weeks. Get up at 5.30 in the morning, you take the dog out, and you bring him back. Breakfast is at 7. You go out for your first two-mile walk around quarter to 8. There's like there's about 20 people in the class, four people to an instructor. They might have five to seven instructors per class uh, with a supervisor. And then they have lots of classes. You're busy from morning to night. There's there's no downtime, hardly. Um there's always lectures on traffic or dog grooming or oh, who knows what. Uh, leash correct your dog. I don't know. Right. But there's it's morning to night uh, classes. And then so when you first go out the first day, they, they help orientate you to the building and all that. The second day, you go walking in the streets of Morristown with what they call a, a Juno walk. It's a harness in the instructor's hand, and they... They pretend they're a dog, basically, <laughs> and they're trying to, again, evaluate how strong am I, how fast do I want to walk, right. and what's my temperament, and all that. And then they do that for still another day when I get into class. So then they, by that night, they're kind of thinking, oh, I think Gail goes with Sarge. Sarge is a great boy. He's wonderful. And then the next day, they bring the dog to you, and then you start immediately, you go down to the dining room, and so they learned, like, this is our first task we're going to do. We're going to go have lunch with these people. <laughs> we don't know how to interact with 20 dogs and 20 people in the room and with dishes and everything, because they've never been in a house like that before either. And so it's all new to them. And, okay. Yeah. I have to confess, Gail, that it's, I didn't realize it was that complicated and involved. So, I mean, there yeah. really is a uh, – I can see there's a long process and a lot of training and a lot of matching up and seeing if, if compatibility. To have people aware of that I think is good because uh, the next time you see someone on the street, I think most people don't even take that into consideration. Yeah. I'm sure – I know that woman had no idea. I mean, I, I get that in, in one way that she was out for a Sunday morning walk. It was a beautiful day, and she led her dog on a long leash, and, oh, the dogs get tangled up, had a nice little fight in the middle of the streets, and she said, because she said, it's okay, it's okay. I, I know it's not. She had no idea. I, I get it. that It's just to her, like, oh, my dog's got a little tussle. Well, no, it wasn't a little tussle. You know, it was a big deal. Right. It's a... $66,000 gone. Right. And a relationship broken forever. This was a random encounter on the street. Are there other stories you can relate to us as far as people having experiences in other places? And uh, what can we learn from that? You know, as far as, for instance, like maybe an airport or um, a public place like a restaurant or a store or something like that, where maybe you, you know, don't have a dog, yeah. but, you know, you, you maybe are, are tempted to interact. I would say, because some people... I mean, there's times I'm lost, and people think, 
well, I shouldn't go up and talk to her because now they'll probably hear from this story, oh, don't interact. Well, yeah, don't interact with my dog. Don't interact with me. But if I initiate it, if I say, hey, can you tell me where I am? I'm lost. Or if I say I need assistance doing this or that, then it's okay. Yeah, interact. I want to be interacted with. I want to be treated equally. You know, it's not, I'm not a mean person. Sure. Um, I want to have lunch with you. Well, and I, <laughs> what I hear out of this is not that so much that, gosh, here, here's a seeing impaired person with a, with a guide dog. I'm going to now walk 10 feet away. And <laughs> that's not necessarily what you're saying. You're just saying to be very careful as far as, and certainly any inter-animal interaction, right. but right. also just not so much to give the, immediately give the animal attention, which would distract right. him. So, right. I mean, Absolutely. it's okay to talk to you. Me, you can say hi, but I may not respond, because if I respond, it's like I'm texting and driving, too. Right, and I don't, exactly. It, so I might smile at you. Sometimes I might wave my fingers at you. But if I respond back, he's going to know that, too, the dog. Right. And they're going to go, what's up with that? You know, like, does she mean to do that? So it's not that rude. Or wait till I get to the corner and then talk to me. Certainly don't ever talk to me in the middle of the street. Right. I've had people, I've had people grab the harness handle trying to grab, talk, trying to guide me. And that's like going up a flight of stairs at once in Central City where there was no rail on the other side of the stairs. And they grabbed the harness handle. Oh, you can't do that. It's like, Driving this, driving this steering wheel, and it's no. I've had, and then I guess another one that people do is they do um, they talk to the dog first. Like I need help um, going into someplace, and they go, "Oh, dog over here, here, dog over here, here, this way, dog, that way, dog." That's so demeaning. It's it's just very demeaning. Yeah, it's I have the brains. I I'll tell you. Tell me what to do, then I'll tell the dog what to do. It's the dog is not smarter than me. I mean, it has uh, it has eyes, and it is, you know, some ways. But talk to me first, right? And then I'll give the command to the dog. So the the advice I hear is that talk to you first, and then also be aware that if you're in a in the middle of a dangerous situation, potentially dangerous, like the middle of the street, don't right. don't do that. But even in another place, like a restaurant or a public place, to address you first. And right. then let you address the dog, because that's sort of right. an integral part of how the two of you interact, really. Right. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I have to admit, I will, when I see a situation, I'll, I, I'll be a, more mindful of that. And I think that's what's good about this. Well, if they just wanted to find out what are the rules, I would say about CNI dogs, you can always go to the org website. If you want to find out more about me, I'm at soaringintogreatness.com, and that's S-O-A-R-I-N-G-I-N-T-O-G-R-E-A-T-N-E-S-S.com. And I'll probably might have something. I don't have anything up there today about CNI dogs, but if you write me, I'd be more glad to answer questions or talk about my book or come and speak to your organization. I would love to do that. Anybody that wants me to come and educate you, I'd be, I'd be honored and blessed to do that. And because um, I want to bring awareness to this issue and spread the word, and I would, and I might have something up there eventually, like something you can download. Sure. It's about okay. the do's and don'ts of 
Sinai Dogs. So give us that website again, and and this is how they can also, not only for information, but because you are a public speaker, and so how they can get in touch with you is uh, once again for that. Yeah. My website is soaringintogreatness.com. And so how do you spell? It's spelled S-O-A-R-I-N-T-I-N-T-O. G-R-E-A-T-N-E-S-S dot com. And then my email is the same, so it's gail at storyintegrateness.com. I have learned a lot. (laughs) This I hope our listeners do, too. And I think it's something that it's, I didn't realize the complexity in that. And I think it's something that we have that awareness that we can maybe think twice in how we go about doing things before we just go and go down and pet the do- your dog, Absolutely. no matter how adorable it right. might be. <laughs> yep. Yep. So, Absolutely. And yep. because there's a lot at stake, like you say, it's yep. the safety, not your safety and other people's right. potentially their, their safety as well. Thank you so much for bringing that You're to welcome. our awareness. And again, that's Gail Hamilton at Soaring into Greatness. SoaringIntoGreatness.com. Okay, thanks, Gail. You're welcome. So remember, the next time you see a guide dog at work, Be respectful of that. People's safety is at stake. The dog's safety is at stake, and certainly the owner's as well. This has been Richard Robertson, and this is Life in Colorado. See you next week.